the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Today, we're going to get a little market update. Also get into some estate planning because I've had some recent questions from listeners. And so I'm going to go over a couple of items when it comes to how do you deal with your estate plan? What is a will, trust, power of attorney, healthcare directive? What do they do? How much do they cost? Those types of issues. First, let's talk about the market because we've had a bit of a rally back up in the last oh, week or so. If we look at the S&P 500, we're sitting with dividends, a total return of about 18.36% for the year since January 1st of this year. Now, again, to put it in perspective, because we've had a bit of a wild ride over the last two years, we look at the S&P 500 and how it's really created at this point. It's it's a market cap weighted index. So a lot of the money is in the largest companies in the world. So the S&P 500 in general is the largest 500 companies in America, but it's not just an even investment into each company. Right now you have 7.41% in Apple, 6.47% in Microsoft, 3.26% of your money in the S&P 500 is in Amazon, 3.18% is in NVIDIA, which has obviously skyrocketed this year. And between the two Googles, G-O-O-G-L and G-O-O-G, it's uh, close to 4%. You got 1.75% in Tesla, 1.74% in Meta. So you got tech stocks for the first several positions. Now, when we look at the S&P 500, if we go all the way back to January 3rd, the, the first trading day in 2022, when we had the tech wreck, the market was down quite a bit in January, or in 2022, rather. If we look at it since January 3rd, 2022, the S&P 500 is still down 3.77%. 3.7%. Now, I want to point out the NASDAQ because really the increase in the S&P 500 this year has mostly been because of the recovery in tech stocks selling off too much, as I kind of remind you on a weekly basis. And so I want to look at the NASDAQ because the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 are, feels like they're closer than they've ever been in the almost 30 years that I've been doing this. The NASDAQ is 11.4% Apple, 9.35% Microsoft, 5.42% Amazon, 4.59% NVIDIA, 3.52% Meta, a little over 6% between the two Googles. And then you get into 3% in Broadcom, uh, two, almost 3% in Tesla, 
2% in Adobe. So it's more tech heavy, but still even more, more weighted to the Apples and the Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA. Um, so we have the NASDAQ. If you look at QQQ, the ETF, total return for the year so far, 42.4%. Sounds great, right? Still down 4.91% since the beginning of January. So a couple of things is you, you have to put it in perspective. What's really, has it been a broad-based market increase or has it been stuff bouncing off from being oversold? And you do have to say, okay, when you see stuff sell off so hard like tech did last year, that's typically a buying opportunity, right? Because it's been a big recovery. Even though it hasn't gone all the way back to where it was, it's been a big recovery this year. If we look at the value, like any kind of a value-based ETF where they're looking at valuing stocks based on price to earnings ratios that are lower than the overall market, um, price to sales, price to book, just, just more of a valuation versus a revenue growth story. If you look at VTV, which is a Vanguard ETF, it's up only 2.91% for the year, but it's actually positive by almost 1% since January 3rd of 2022. So less volatility and a better return over that, oh boy, 12 plus ago, it's September 6th that I'm doing this show. So over that period of time, if you look at a small cap value ETF, Vanguard's VBR, it's up 6% for the year but still down 4.69% since January of 2022. So right now you're looking at, okay, typically stronger dollar means good for small cap, bad for international positions, but a weaker dollar means better for international positions. Um, And then you look at small caps as the canary in the coal mine kind of thing. How, How are they doing? So a little bit of a, it's interesting because let me first go into international positions. So if you look at international developed, which is the larger countries outside of the U.S., you get an ETF EFA. It's up 9.96% for the year, but it's down 6.42% since January 2022. If you look at EEM, which is an emerging market ETF, so it included a good portion in China there. It's up 4.54% for the year, but it's down 17.54% since January 2022. So you're seeing international positions because the dollar was stronger because of Ukraine, because of the slowdown in China and how they dealt with COVID, um, really look like more of a deep recession and, a mar- and markets that kind of follow along with that path. And if you do have a, a dollar that starts to weaken a bit against other currencies because it's gone the opposite direction for the last, you know, long period of time, and you've got the fundamental, uh, you know, cheaper stocks overseas, if you get any kind of a catalyst, good place to be right now, you still have, you know, Russia and Ukraine and then China slow down, which if you look at Yahoo Finance today, one of the main headlines is, I haven't read it yet, why China slow down is a top risk for the U.S. economy. Um, so what's interesting is that you've already got a situation where everybody was calling for a recession in 2023. And typically when you have a recession, you get a pullback in stocks, you know, somewhere between 10 to 20%. Um, and you've really gone nowhere in the last, you know, all of 2022. And now, you know, it's September 6th as I'm doing this show, you've really gone nowhere in a lot of the indexes. Now, if you look at the bond market, it's up only a half a percent for the year. So less than what the interest income is because they're down again in price as of right now. And I'm looking at AGG, which is Barclays Aggregate Bond ETF. 
Um, and since January of 2022, that overall U.S. bond market is down almost 11.96%. So, you know, arguably, again, 2022, because bonds and stocks were down at the same time, was the worst year for a balanced investor, you know, 60-40, 50-50 stocks versus bond kind of a mix since 2008. Because 2008, the stock market was down way down, but bonds were still positive. And so rough go for that. And so you kind of look at it and say, okay, we, we haven't had a recession yet. And the market kind of shows us that it's been kind of flat when you really look at everything since the beginning of January, 2022, and the, the interest rate increases started to fight inflation. And the Fed may, may not be done. And to remind you, we still have an inverted yield curve, right? What's an inverted yield curve? It mean, means when you loan money to the government, you can get more by loaning the the money to the government over two years. And if you loan the money over 10 years, typically you think, okay, I'm going to give you my money for a longer period of time. I better earn more money. In two years, I'm willing to accept a little less interest income from you because I get my money back sooner. I can reinvest it. But right now the 10-year treasury is at 4.18%. The two-year treasury is at 4.87%. The highest rate since about 2006. So still an inverted yield curve. Still a sign that the feds are fighting inflation, but I will say that bonds are at very attractive areas right now. Now, a lot of people ask, okay, why would you, why would you buy longer term bonds if they're paying less right now? If you do go into a slowdown where what the Fed has been doing finally takes shape in the economy in the form of a slowdown or a recession, the longer term bonds, even though they're paying less in interest income, can go up a lot in terms of a value. You can have a higher total return. So that's why a lot of money managers and strategists are going a little bit longer. Instead of saying short term bonds are going into the intermediate, a little bit of long term in terms of that type of a trade. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Let's talk about 401ks for a moment because they've been in the news a lot lately. Now, I want to give you an update on the 401k catch-up contribution under the Secure 2.0 Act. Not exactly, you know, massive headline news here, but it was about to affect everybody next year. Now, first of all, as you know, you have the ability, each person has the ability to put up to $22,500 into your 401k, and it can be either pre-tax contribution where it goes into the pre-tax bucket where you save taxes, but it grows tax deferred and you pay taxes on it later. Or you can put that amount into a Roth where you don't get any current tax uh, break, but it'll grow tax-free forever in the Roth 401k. You can actually combine it. You could say, I want to do 20 grand into the pre-tax and 2,500 into the Roth bucket. So it doesn't matter what combination you do. There's a max of 22.5, but if you're 50 or older by the end of the year, you can do an extra $7,500 as a catch-up contribution for a total of $30,000 into the 401k. Now, the SECURE Act stated that starting in 2024, that if you 
make over $145,000, the catch-up portion had to go into the Roth 401k. So that's $7,500, no more tax break available. You have to put it into the Roth 401k. The, the IRS says, nope, you got to pay taxes on it, but it's going to go into this account and it's going to go tax-free forever. So it's not necessarily a bad deal. It just, you know, people making over that amount would have paid taxes on that $7,500, um, but it's going to go tax-free forever. Now, 401k providers, people call TPAs, third-party administrators that create these plan documents for 401ks, they were throwing a fit. They're like, uh, I don't know what you guys are thinking by passing this, but there's no way that we can create the proper plan documents, update websites, and do all of this by 2024. It was, they were kind of in a panic mode. Um. So essentially what's happened is that it's been put off now to 2026, but keep that in mind. So starting in 2026, if you make over, you know, it's going to be probably close to 145, 150 by then, that amount that you're putting into your 401k as a catch up contribution, because you're going to be 50 or older by the end of the year, it's going to have to go to Roth. So maybe you just get used to it now. And it's really good to have a mix of pre-tax money, Roth money and cash and, investments outside of retirement accounts in retirement. Because if you heard me talk about retirement and taxation in either live events with Rob Black or the shows that I've done over and over again on it, uh, the more different types of accounts that you have in retirement, the better you can do with your taxation and control your taxes. Now, at the same time as all of this was happening, it was kind of interesting. Before this CARE 2.0 Act came out, talking about the catch-up contributions, both Schwab and, well, Schwab for sure, and I believe Fidelity's ditched their individual 401k Roth accounts. So um, basically as a self-employed person, let's say you're self-employed, you're getting 1099s from other people, not W-2s, but 1099s. And so that allows you to create your own 401k plan. And typically an individual 401k plan is better than a SEP or any other kind of plan for most people. And so it was like, okay, Schwab uh, TD, which was recently purchased by Schwab, that conversion happened over the weekend. So everybody that used to have a TD Ameritrade account now has a Schwab account. But um, they were they were telling all of us advisors, hey, we're, we're getting rid of the Roth 401k on the individual 401k plan. We, we don't want to administer it anymore. So, um, you know, now what are they going to do? Because they they have to probably bring it back in order to deal with this CARE 2.0 Act. So that's going to be seen on what they do. Now, you can still do it. Like if you're a self-employed individual, you can have a third-party administrator, a TPA. It's usually around 1500 to two grand. Create a, your own retirement trust account. And then you can do anything you want because you're administering it. You can have a lot of different options. So, for example, if you're self-employed and you're 50 or older, um, you have the ability to do $30,000 into either the pre-tax bucket or the Roth or a combination. And then on top of that, you can do a profit-sharing plan. So if you're self-employed and you're just filing a Schedule C, so you're a self-employed sole proprietor or an LLC filing a Schedule C, it's typically on top of that, you can do it. It's around 18 to 19% of your pay pre-tax as another profit sharing contribution on top of that. Now, if you're an 
S corp filing W two wages. It's it's your pre tax amount plus twenty five percent of your W two wages. So we're getting a little mathy for you know six thirty or so in the morning here. But um, again, under the current plans that you set up, you can't do the Roth portion of that. So you have to do your own retirement trust or TPA. And we do this all the time for clients. Not a big deal. It's um, actually really really handy because. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're self-employed and all your income's coming from self-employed work or you're getting 1099s from other people. Let's say your net income after all your expenses is 150 grand and you're 50 years old this year or older. You could put $30,000 into the pre-tax bucket or the Roth, right? Let's say you don't need the tax break. So you're going to put $30,000 of your deferral into the Roth 401k. On top of that, in this situation, you're going to be able to do around $27,000 as a pre-tax profit sharing contribution because your net income is 150 and you're just filing a Schedule C. But guess what? There's a limit that can go into a 401k plan with all sources, your deferral, your employer, which is the profit sharing portion, and your after-tax contributions, the total of those can equal 73500 So this self-employed individual making 150 net that's 50 years or older could put in another $16,500 after-tax contribution into this 401k plan. And because the third-party administrator, the TPA, wrote it into the plan, you can do an after-tax to Roth conversion inside the plan. So in this port per in this situation, this person was able to get forty six thousand five hundred into a Roth inside their four hundred one k plan, and then twenty seven thousand dollars as a pre tax profit sharing that created a tax deduction inside the same individual four hundred one k plan because it's a customized plan. Well worth the fifteen hundred dollars to twenty five hundred dollars to set the thing up in the annual administration. Now, on top of that, if people are making even more money, if they're self-employed and they're looking for even larger tax deductions, you can do things called defined benefit plans, which is essentially creating your own pension, which gives the ability to put money away pre-tax at an even larger amount. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. So at EP Wealth, we have over 80 certified financial planner practitioners. We have an estate team. We have a tax team. We have an investment team. We really do it all when it comes to financial planning go over every aspect of the financial plan, including the estate. What is the estate plan? Now, whether or not you realize that you actually have an estate plan, every state has a plan for you if you die without a will. 
it tells, it says, you know, this is who your money goes to, basically your next of kin, right? So what is an estate plan? If you have a will, a will is just a letter to the court to direct the court when your estate goes through probate. Probate is when the court reviews everything and determines where everything goes. It's a process. Now, a living trust helps you while you're alive, but it also avoids probate. It helps you while you're alive because if you can become incapacitated, you have to have somebody that can step in and deal with your assets, you pay your bills and things like that. It also can help create new trusts when you die to either control money so your heirs don't screw up or to help save taxes or both. So let's talk about a living trust which is in the main purpose, especially in a state like California, where probate cost is very expensive. The first point of a living trust is to help avoid probate. Now, in 2023, the statutory attorney and executor probate fees in California, 4% on the first 100000 Okay, and this is on the gross estate, guys. So if you have a $2 million home, but it has a half a million dollars in a mortgage, this is based on the $2 million because... It um, it's the gross estate, so it's it can be four percent on the first hundred thousand dollars of your estate, three uh, percent on the next thousand, two percent on the next eight hundred, one percent on the next nine thousand, and, and it goes on in there. So, long story short, a one point five million dollar estate could cost about twenty three thousand dollars to probate in some cases. But if a person spends somewhere between twenty five hundred and forty five hundred in California, um, <clears throat> it can be a lot less in other places. On a living trust, you can avoid the majority of those costs. And it's a revocable living trust. You can change it anytime you want. You can update it, which you should be updating about every couple of years when the laws change or when your family changes or when you have some kind of a life event. So it creates privacy too, because if you go through probate with just a will, you know, it's public. But if you have a living trust, it's private. Things just get settled. Now you still have to, you know, work with the CPA and attorney, and it still takes time, typically six to nine months to get everything settled out. But you can avoid those low large probate costs. So avoiding probate is a huge piece of a living trust. But what about when you're alive? This becomes almost even more important, especially if you have certain desires that say, I never want to go into a nursing home. I want to have every last dollar that I have pay for me to have care for myself in my own home. So you could actually write that kind of stuff in your trust. So when you're alive, you are the grantor and trustee. If you're married, typically both people are both spouses of the grantor and the trustee. And the revocable living trust uses a social security number. Typically in a married couple, they just put the the male social security number first, typically. Um, or it, it, you can pick and choose. It doesn't really matter, but it's, it's, you're, you're not getting a new tax ID number for a living trust. It's one of your social security numbers. Now, the, once you create this document that says, okay, I am the grantor. I am the trustee. Here's where my money goes when I die. Here's the successor trustee that steps into my place. If I am incapacitated and I can't act on my own, the successor trustee steps in. So it has to be somebody that you trust, somebody that is able to do it. So a lot of times older people will name somebody that's, you know, their same age or older. That doesn't help them that much. 
because they could be in the same boat at that period of time. Like if you do a living trust when you're 75 and you name somebody to be a successor trustee that's your same age and you become incapacitated at 85, well, do you want that other person, you know, stepping in at that point? Um, if you don't have any family member or friends that you trust, there are professional services, professional fiduciaries that will step in and do it. Now, when you have a living trust, you create the living trust. The next step is to fund it. All of your non-retirement accounts. So you can't put a 401k in the, the trust. You can't put a, a IRA or a Roth in the trust. But all of your taxable accounts, the majority of your bank accounts, the majority of your real estate, if your real estate is owned by the LLC, like if you have a rental property owned by an LLC, the shares of the LLC are owned by the living trust. When you do all of those changes, when you put your home and your non-retirement accounts into the living trust, it's not a taxable event. It's just a title change because it uses your social security number. That will allow your successor trustee, if you become incapacitated, which means typically you need a letter from a doctor saying, hey, they have, they've lost mental capacity. There's Alzheimer's, there's dementia, or there's, you know, they, they, they just can't fend for themselves. The successor trustee will step in if you're incapacitated. So again, it has to be somebody that you trust. But the problem here is that this will not help you out on things like your retirement accounts and your 401k that are not owned by your living trust. You still need what's called a power of attorney. And these are important to keep these up to date. That's a power of attorney that's that that'll help that person step in and deal with anything that's not owned by the trust. Okay. So you always have a will. If you have a living trust, that will typically says, if I forgot to name anything into the living trust, dump it in when I die. You have a living trust, which says, this is where I want my money to go when I die. And this is who I want to have step in for me when I'm incapacitated. And then you have an executor that's named that helps settle the estate after you pass. That's typically the same person as the successor trustee. On top of that, as part of a good estate plan, oh, and by the way, you need to have something on the power of attorney that helps with digital assets, social media, photos, and things like that. Very important. And there's really interesting ways that whether it's Facebook or whether it's even on your iPhone, look, you can look up ways to create legacy contacts on your iPhone. So that if something happens to you, people can get into your phone if you want that. Um, so you can watch videos on that. But there's also the healthcare directive. And that's kind of the, remember that Terry Schiavo case where they're fighting over pulling the plug on Terry Schiavo? So how do you want, if, if you are incapacitated and you're on life support, do you want food, water? Do you want, what, what do you, you know, th those types of things. Now, what's interesting about this one is a lot of healthcare providers like Kaiser will have their own anyway. So keep that in mind. A lot of those things too, that like a, a healthcare directive, you can do those free online. So those are the main points of your estate plan is to avoid probate, have somebody be able to step in if you become incapacitated. You could put things in there like how you want to be cared for if you are incapacitated. So you could put directions to the trustee in there. Then finally, you, you notice it's just finally now that I'm going to talk about saving taxes. A lot of people think about trusts as a way to save taxes, but that's really not the primary. It's to avoid probate. Who's worried about saving taxes? Well, right now, the estate tax kicks in if you're worth over 12.92 million if you're singled, single or 25.84 million if you're married. So not a lot of people pay estate taxes. 
Now, some states like Oregon and Washington have their own estate taxes. California does not. California is an expensive place to live, but a cheap place to die. And there's a lot of reasons for that because of community property and the step up in basis that occurs when the first person dies. So for example, if you're a married couple um, and you own everything in community property, when the first person dies, the, the survivor, they could sell all of their stocks in their non-retirement accounts and all of the real estate completely tax free of capital gains tax because it gets step up in basis. If you're in Oregon, only half of that occurs. So California, cheap place to die. <laughs> Keep that in mind, I guess. All right. So now I will say that these numbers, so the, the, the idea of paying estate taxes in 2026, that number, that 12.92 million is set to drop back down to where it was supposed to be in 2026. Everything that Trump did in 2017 is set to expire in 2026 unless Congress acts again. So it's going to somewhere end up being around $8 million per person, somewhere in that seven to $8 million range. And so anything over that can be subject to a state tax. So what a living trust can do is it can create what's called a bypass trust to save the credit of the first person that dies. So let's say it's 2026, the estate amount has dropped to $8 million per person. And in a married couple, one person dies, their $8 million would go into a bypass or family trust. It would lock it up that the survivor could take income if they needed it, but the rest is protected and goes to the kids and is not subject to the estate tax of the second person that dies. It saves it. Now, there's a way to do this without a trust called portability. I'll save that for another time. But if you have a really large estate in a lot of community properties, sometimes three trusts are created. When the first person dies, you have the survivor trust, which is the survivors, you know, their half of everything they owned. You've got the bypass trust, which saves the estate tax credit currently 12.92 million for the person that died. And then you sometimes have a marital trust to further protect heirs so that, you know, if somebody gets remarried, the, the person that passed away, their assets always go to their surviving kids. So that's another important part of this is to make sure that if you're in a second marriage situation and you each have your own kids, you can have a joint living trust, but have separate property and designation for what happens for that separate property. That's really important to really spell that out before you get into a marriage, second marriage situation. It's kind of separate from a prenup. If you're going to do something like that, we're talking about estate planning and what a living trust can do. And it, it's, it can do several things. It can help you while you're alive with your successor trustee and stepping in if you're incapacitated. It can help you when you pass away by saving costs on probate. It can create additional trust to save taxes it can also create additional trusts where you can leave money to your kids with some control. And this is really, really important. I've, the first step is, is that if you or your kids ever inherit or you're gifted large amounts of money while you're married, as long as you keep that in a separate property account, you don't commingle it with community property, that can always be your asset, your investments if you are divorced. Now, if we go back to, okay, how do we leave money for kids then? There's a couple of things that happen. First of all, we have zero financial education in our schools. Zero. Most children do not know how to calculate the present value of their potential to earn money. So if you have somebody that's 30 years old and they inherit, let's say $3 million, all of a sudden they think they're rich. 
and they can literally stop working and start trying to live off of that money. And they realize that if I would have said, okay, I'm going to make, you know, $80,000 a year growing with inflation, what's the present value of that? It's probably more like 10, $12 million. You know, who knows? I, I, and I didn't have a perfect example ready for you, but it can ruin a lot of kids to leave them a lot of money with zero strings attached. Zero. And honestly, most of the time when I read somebody's living trust and they say, if both of us pass away, we're going to leave it to our kids. A lot of the times the payout is that, okay, they get a third when they're 25, a third when they're 30, and the, the remaining amount when they're 35. A third, a third, a third. Well, guess what? Guess when the average age of the first divorce is? It's somewhere between 35 and 40, right around in there. And so then all of a sudden they've, you've distributed out the money. They've, you know, gone and commingled the assets and boom, they're, you know, they're instead of being at the height of their career, earning the most money possible when they're 45 to 55 years old, they've potentially lost half of it in a divorce. They stopped working because they thought they had a ton of money and they're financially a disaster. So <laughs> I don't like those a third, a third, a thirds, especially in, in a state like California. If you're leaving a significant amount of assets to your kids, and I'm talking about typically over a million dollars, I would leave it in what's called a fully discretionary trust with a professional trustee. What this means is, is that when you pass away um, at the second death, the, the money that you leave them in the various types of trusts that I've talked about before all flows into a trust for the child. And the child is not their own trustee yet. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you why I say yet in a moment. The professional trustee helps set the distribution schedule. They say, okay, you're going to be able to take enough out of this to maintain your lifestyle, but we're also going to calculate this so that you don't run out of money before you run out of life. So they'll stop the person from you know, taking out large distributions to buy stuff they cannot afford. That's the job of the trustee. And the job of the trustee is also to be, you know, help keep an eye on the investment advisor. Now, we can offer both services at EP Wealth, we use National Trust Company. And so we can actually be the investment advisor and also offer the trust services through National Trust Company. But, um, you know, the trustee could say, oh, the investment advisor isn't doing well. Let's, let's get a new one. Or the kid could even go to the trustee and say, an investment advisor isn't doing a good job. Let's get a new one. Now, the kid could also fire the trustee and get a new one, but they have to have a professional trustee. So the reason why I say fully discretionary trust is because in the state of California, some weird things have happened when it comes to family law. And we're actually dealing with a case of this right now where if the money, the money was left to a kid in trust, um, and those assets are going to be protected in terms of the marriage dissolving. Those assets are going to remain with the person that received them. But the income that's being pushed out of that trust is going to be counted towards alimony in some cases. And that could be a problem, right? So in a fully discretionary trust, there's ways that attorneys can put in language to help reduce that risk. Okay. Now, in my own situation, my kids become their own trustee at age 45. So rather than distributing the money out, which most of your documents probably say a third, a third, a third at specific ages, the kid becomes their own trustee at age 45. 
I've also done situations where the kid becomes co-trustee at say 35 or 40, but then becomes their own trustee at 45. So they have some kind of education time frame with it. And what that means is that the money doesn't ever have to leave the account and be commingled potentially with other assets in that marriage. It just stays in the same exact account. Now, when the person becomes their own trustee, they have uh, less protection against lawsuits and liability and that whole marriage situation that I talked about in terms of alimony, because they're now controlling their own distributions, but at least they don't commingle it. And look, when it comes to the lawsuits and liabilities thing, I've never had a client be sued for more than their umbrella policy. So like if you get into a car accident and it goes through your limits, which is typically a $300,000 limit or so, then you have an umbrella policy, which everybody should have that kicks in and covers anything over that. Never seen anybody get sued for over that. And I've been doing this for almost 30 years. So I'm not too worried about that if people have the proper property and casualty insurance. Um, but a lot of it just has to do with education. By leaving it in trust and trust in this type of form for your kids, it kind of forces them to work with a trustee and a financial advisor to realize the power of money and realize what is the true current value of money versus future value of money. What is the true value of their ability to earn money and how much do they really, really need? So it's a way to to do this without financially screwing up kids. And you can also make trust last multiple generations if need be. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. If you need some financial planning help, retirement planning, estate planning, we do it all. Just check it out at EP Wealth. Just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.